Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV, on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Our topic for today is tech and soul. Is this the battle of technology versus humanity? No, not at all. Technology is very much a part of our lives and our children's lives. But parents can struggle sometimes with balancing technology and the interpersonal and inner worlds of young children. That's what I want to talk about tonight. The world of imagination, those magical worlds invented from pure boredom, mind-body connections, mind-heart connections, social connections, and the open spaces of nature. So I have three amazing guests at the table with me tonight who I believe are very tech-savvy and forward-thinking tech users, but also have an appreciation for children being children. They are Meredith and Dan Weiss and Adina Schreiner. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you very much. Hi, Karen. So they're also parents of school-age children, which means that they've been raising their children in a world of technology from the very beginning. And so I think they have a great perspective on the younger years and then where it leads and the new fears and questions that develop as they get older. So I'll let them introduce themselves, tell you about their families, and uh, and then we'll get into it. So Dan, why don't you introduce yourself? So uh, I am Meredith's uh, worst half, <laughs> uh, and we've got two daughters, Lily and Alyssa who are uh, 9 and 30, or at least she thinks she's 30. Perfect. Uh, we are most definitely hitting the tween to teenager years. And um, with the, a move to a new school for the kids this year, we upped their technology, and we're, we're living with the interesting consequences of it now. Oh, well, I'm going to ask. So, I mean, I want to hear where it all started, but tell us about how you upped it this year. Uh, we, got them, we, we made the leap and got them phones. And uh, with the phones comes attachment to social media. That's got all kinds of very interesting complications. From uh, another background, I'm actually an information security guy. So this is an area of particular interest for me. Love it. Love it. Because, I, I mean, you ha- and you're a gamer and you love everything. Technology. Technology in every possible way. So it's, it gives us a, a great reality check of the optimism and the hope and the potential of technology um, when people... Um, I don't want to disappoint you. I'm a total pessimist. <laughs> oh. All right, well, we're going to come back. Okay. I have to let Meredith introduce herself because Meredith has a lot of diverse interests and skills and perspective on this, too. And none of them are tech-related. Right. I am I am the untechy by far, of us two. So, God bless, he, he helps to carry me. So, um, I am his better half. I love him dearly. And um, I think we complement each other very well. So, um 
it's been very interesting, and we did not want to get the girls' phones. We'll, I'm sure we'll discuss about that. But um, it's been both good and bad and, and interesting and a, a huge learning process for all of us. Now, um, as a non-tech person, you were never, as I remember, in conflict with Dan over the tech choices for your girls, were you? Or it was just because that was just your personal affinity or... I wasn't in conflict with them getting, you know, iPads. I think it's a critical balance, and I'm sure we'll have lively discussion over that. Um, but um, just determining proper use and supervision and um, not that they're not up till 2 a.m. playing on games and you know, then exhausted for school and all that different kind of stuff. It's the, so. it is the crisis of a new generation. It's I'm a, not sleeping, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adina, introduce yourself and your kid girls, please. Uh, my name's Adina Schreiner. I am uh, married and I have two daughters uh, who are almost 10 and my older one is 11. Uh, they are... Uh, great kids about 80% of the time and the other 20% I'm, I'm looking for a new home for them uh, but that's I think that's that, a pretty good ratio I, I try to tell myself yeah. that's the age um, and that it but then I realize that that ratio is probably only going to get worse as they get older as we enter those middle school years and uh, technology has always I'm very I enjoy technology so technology has always been a part of my girls' lives. Um, I have always come from the position that it's not going anywhere, so it's best to teach them how to use it appropriately. That has certainly backfired on me as our girls got phones this year, and we are navigating through a lot of the same things that you are. Um, Not that that I'm going back on my opinion. I, I still think it's a learning curve, but I don't, I don't know about you. I, I don't want to read every text. It's boring. I know that you have oh, you to. Have to but, read all their texts. I, but it's boring yeah. right now. And, you know, trying to kind of navigate what they're doing and keep an eye on things and it's, you know, look at the social media. You know, those are the things that um, I feel like if I don't put a lot of time into it, I'm not being a good tech parent. But I don't have the a lot of time. The tech expectations <laughs> may be unrealistic and the idealism might be... Uh, completely overwhelming to a busy parent, of course. The good news is that there actually there are tools that are becoming increasingly available to help people exactly like us mm-hmm. that literally will help you monitor on, on dashboards, social media, uh, usage, text. For example. Uh, it's a, there's one site that I've been looking at and evaluating. It's called uh, You Know Kids. And they purport to basically track the social and Internet footprint of your kids. So they're going to look for keywords. They, and you, you enter the accounts. They follow the accounts. But, uh, of course, part of the challenge for us is that uh, technology changes so rapidly that applications that we're looking at and keying off of are already outdated for the kids. They're onto another app that we've never heard of. Absolutely. And I don't know that anybody's really successfully kind of overcome the challenge of how do you keep up with the landscape for the kids. Right. Uh, we spot check. I, I, I uh, have access to the kids' phones, and they're fully aware that at any random moment, I can do basically a papers check. Mm-hmm. Give me your phone, and I will pull it up, and I will scroll through some of the texts. I will look through, and uh, you know, knock on wood, uh, we haven't seen anything particularly terrifying at this point. But of course, they're right about at the age when boys enter the equation. Now, I think that this is a really great general parenting principle, too, which is random works. Mm -hmm. The idea that you can supervise, control, and manage every moment was probably unrealistic 
even in the simpler times. Um, and the idea that teens and tweens are going to keep changing the game is how the world is supposed to work. So random, because there is someone, that works. I mean, this idea that I could catch you at any given time. And I want to put out there, I think we all know and believe that the beauty of children is while they feel and seem so much smarter than us <laughs> on most days, the bottom line is they are going to get caught. They're going to show you when something starts to fall out of whack and your, your radar will go up and you know to get involved. So I think there is a sense, even though your world is so much scarier than a year ago or especially five years ago, it is not something that you can't manage um, with just a little bit of humor and support from each other, and a little finesse from... And duct tape. <laughs> and where are you putting the duct tape? On the phone? I probably shouldn't say that on the <laughs> I think, though, I think, though, and I agree, and, and I exaggerate when I say I'm trying to read everything. It is about spot checking. It's also about, to me, um, when they got the phones, I reminded them that it's something that's paid for every month, so every month they have to re-earn it from right. me. We're the it's same not deal. something that they that they always have. That right. you know, If their behavior isn't or their grades aren't where they need to be or they're misusing it, then it's mine because Absolutely. I'm paying that bill every month. And but there's a way to set that up up front, that right. these are the terms of use. This is the arrangement. And let me, let's not get confused that this is just a guarantee so access. Mayor, Mayor went through a lot of research and actually found contracts. And we made them review the contracts, sign the contracts. And we, we customized it you know, to them. And it was long and it was detailed. And they had to sign it. And each month they have to pay pay us for it so they have to earn the money Love to hit it. and if no, they No, we, we haven't actually collected on that. <laughs> Um, I, and, I just resorted to threats, but the contract <laughs> is a great idea. Okay, the other mean what you say rule still right? applies, but okay. Wait, wait, wait. I, because you're... Um because you're, you've been, your parents have school-age kids, right. at what age would you consider appropriate, looking back in hindsight, to enter into this sort of contract? Not necessarily on phones, I have but to, in the sense of in terms I of ha- I have to say that I just had a very interesting conversation with my oldest daughter, where it actually wasn't a conversation, it was a statement that she made that left me speechless, um, where we were discussing, I actually, my girls uh, received eye touches very young. They were actually three and four when they got their first eye touches because they were, you know, taking pictures and doing things and, and and I got them as a holiday gift, and I and I don't regret it. We really learned how to use it appropriately. It was easier to kind of manage it. But my daughter said to me just the other day, you know, I remember it wasn't that long ago. You said we weren't only allowed to text our family, and now we're texting all of our friends. How when did that change? And I thought to myself, holy cow, when did that wow. change? <laughs> you know? wow. um, and that's I think the hardest part is that you know you, we did start young, and I don't have any regrets on that because I thought we I think we learned a lot of management skills. But things sneak up on you that's with technology. Thing. And here's why I called it tech and soul. Because you've been involved in this process of of the texting and the social media and the peer stuff, I know, since I saw you last Thanksgiving, at least, if not before. And so what I think happens is helping children to relate and interact responsibly with technology isn't about the technology. It's about you and the values and your family and personal responsibility and this sense of what are they getting, what are they not getting. And when you tell me that they that they're, that you introduced a rule, we only text with family, and then your girls say to you, hey, the rule changed, I know 
that you've taught your girls to respect rules and that they understand the world's a slippery place and that, yeah, mom's going to forget for a while, but they care about order and responsibility. And so bravo, because that's the soul piece to me, because that's the inner world that then becomes part of tech use and the potential of being connected through through technology. And you can't be afraid to talk to friends. I, uh, Dan and Meredith were actually have been one of my major resources, not talking about phones, but just in websites that the girls would use. Um, I would always pick up the phone and call and say, this is something they're looking at. Is this a safe site? So I think also Uh, interacting with other people who are allowing their kids to kind of branch out into things is important. Which means don't have this tech phobia. Don't have this aversion to, like, I don't want to go to that world. I want to go back in time. I don't ever want to go back. And so there will always be these people like Dan who can guide and help and steer and evaluate for us when we don't have the time or the interest to go and do it. And we can't afford to go back. I I mean, I I jokingly would have answered your question like 30 is about when I would look into (laughs) technology. Just because it is so pervasive in every single aspect of their life. Uh, You know, I was amongst the very first generation of people who actually had computers in the home. So I remember very vividly getting the first computer. It was unique. And so unlike, I think, probably a good chunk of my peers and near-age peers, I have a closer relationship to how the technology involves itself in your life Yes. To our kids than probably a lot of my peers. And it really, uh, I mean, it, it becomes central. You, you don't realize how much and how, how much of your life can depend on those devices. And for kids who are not at all tech phobic, it's just like breathing. So what kind of choices have you had to make? And when you say, uh, I mean, I've got a million questions. So yep. one is the if you don't, if you wanted them to wait for technology because you know that, that once it's in, once they're engaged, they're sucked down the rabbit right. hole. Yeah. What age did you did you want? Did it happen for you, and were you comfortable with that? And then how do you monitor that in your home? Because well, I know yeah. you do it with humor and awareness and technology. Okay. <laughs> so, so, like Adina, we got them started with music players uh, pretty young, uh, and two uh, a little older than that. Probably, I want to say four or five. Yeah, okay. uh, and then they had their first iPads uh, pretty early because they were really good educational apps that we we had them using. Sure. Uh, and those were great. We did the phones this year by necessity, and it was a long discussion it that really Meredith was. and I had. We were not keen about getting it because. You give up a lot of control over their access to the web when you give that to them. And we weighed that with the fact that they're now going to school a sizable distance away. They're taking a bus. And the ability to reach out and communicate with them, and additionally to track physically where they are using the devices, had a lot of value for us. And in retrospect, in that regard, it's been very useful. It's been a lifesaver on several occasions where we've had to pivot at the last minute because of weather or a crisis, and they've had to take the bus. You just text them. And, and that probably is the number one reason yeah. that kids get phones is access to their parents and, and findability and right. all of that stuff. But what were the other questions? That What was the Pandora's box that was opening up for you here? When you do that, so... Part of what we do at the house is we have a rule that when the kids come home, they turn in their phones. And the reason we do that is I have our home network configured that to handle the kids' devices. So on weeknights, the kids' internet cuts off. 
the first couple weeks that happened was hysterical. There were squeals from their (laughs) screens from their bedrooms. What happened? (laughs) So, and and to guarantee that they couldn't be browsing the web, watching YouTube videos, doing anything like that. But because your devices have cell phones, unless you want to put a jammer, which unfortunately is illegal in your house to jam the cell signals, you can only, the only way to prevent that is to take the phone. And, And we found the hard way that if we forget to take the phone, particularly our, our eldest, we'll be FaceTiming, giggling with her friends until 11.30 or 12 sure, at night on sure, a weeknight. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's a great problem to have. It's, you know, they're, they're having a great time, it's, but... They have a whole different schedule. I mean, and I mean these, I mean, and high schoolers forget it. <laughs> I mean, this is one, two in the morning. And if sure. someone is not, that is not nearly as tech savvy as Dan is, I just, I've always gone old school. My children have known since the moment they got their eye touches, no technology is allowed in their room when right. we go to sleep. So right. bedtime is when technology ends. Um, so all technology comes out. But again, that's something for us to remember. It's been easy so far, that piece, but they're still very honest. You know, we're, we're moving out of that phase. Right. And, that's, right. and that's a little scary. I'm not naive to think that we're not getting there. We are. And my kids are certainly not perfect. I've forgotten them in there and run into some of the same issues you have. But, um, you know, it's... Setting up expectations is hard because Dan talks about some of the uh, technology you can use to monitor your kids, but technology is growing faster than the tech monitoring technology is. A girlfriend of mine was using one of the apps that was very well rated for checking texts. But she said the times were wrong on them and the dates, mm-hmm. it, you know. So wow. it's foolish. To, I mean, we talked about it when we did the potty training. Well, I'll repeat the same line here. You can't outsource this stuff. Right. Right. You can't outsource it to another person. You can't outsource it to technology. It ha- You have to have ownership over, over. It's like if you have a business, you don't let somebody else write all your checks and right. not know what's going on right. because somebody you're going to get messed up there. But here's, okay, but before, when we talk about putting your phone, collecting the phones from the girls mm-hmm. or turning off the, the um, access to internet at a certain time, how good of role models are you? Because all the new research yeah. is saying Terrible. the kids are yeah. pointing their fingers yeah. at the I'm parents the and going, like, you can't and expect me to engage in a social conversation anywhere if you're, if you're looking at your phone. And they are completely correct. And they have called both Meredith and me on it repeatedly, and they've been completely correct. It's something that uh, I, my dependence on, on the technology on, on my phone is, uh, it's ridiculous, frankly. So do you get a buy at night where you say, dad's work, dad's this? I mean, do you have an, a, 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 an excuse for I, how you get I don't have an excuse. Uh, normally, I apologize and tell them they're right, and I try and take the phone out. And uh, and focus. That said, I'm not always successful about it. I am certainly a bit of a hypocrite when it comes to it, uh, as as I think most parents are. Uh, and I have on occasion had to resort to the uh, I already graduated from school. Right, right, right. When you get there, you can make those choices. The do as I say, not as I do right. model that right. our parents yeah. always used on us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how about you guys in terms of your technology role modeling? I would say that. We certainly get criticized by our children <laughs> about our technology use. <laughs> I've been told, Mom, why don't you get off that and go take a walk? Thanks. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but but and they are right. And yeah. I think that I think that we're all people um, who and, and really kind of based on kind of some of the things you've taught us in the past, who are not afraid to say to our kids, eh, you know what, you're right. I'm gonna put that down. I'm sorry. Um, and sometimes I have to say to them, I'm working. 
Because unfortunately, I think the worst message that I'm giving my kids isn't that I'm on my phone. It's that I'm working on my phone at night. I don't want them to feel like that's what life has to be about. But unfortunately, sometimes that's what I am doing. I'm checking emails. I'm, I'm returning emails. I'm trying to put fires out. And... And so that's a tough balance. And, and they understand. They also, I think, understand that uh, rules are different for children and adults. Right. And that's, right. you know what, that's life, kid. You know, rules are different for children and adults. And sometimes I'm going to have to do something that I'm asking you not to do. I think the bigger piece, though, that I was thinking about, thinking about this, was how you find the, how parents find the balance between technology and everything else. And... That's something that we so far have done a really, I think, have done a, a pretty good job with. Our girls still like to play outside and do things. You have a very unique I was just going to say that. Situation. Yeah. We have a unique neighborhood situation where our girls have that opportunity where we it's live. It's a huge community. And it's and it's shared meals and it's, it's shared playtime and it's open doors cul-de-sac mm-hmm. and it's intergenerational. I mean, not intergenerational, but, you know, high schoolers there with school-age kids. Absolutely. But I think if I was thinking about just kind of parenting in general, and it's certainly, I do not follow this advice all the time, but I think it is um, not being afraid to say to your kids, it's okay to make a mess. I think that's kind of the big side of, of the non-technology piece. Now, here's the thing. When they're on the computer or on their phones, it's because I don't want a mess. That's right. That's okay, right. That's, that's a big part we of it. Want I, the, I, mean, I thought about the, that. The, it's the, true. The, 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 <laughs> the, the abuse of technology for us is we want children to be not seen, not heard. Like, go ahead, get, get, go get lost in that. Don't bother me and amuse yourself. But that was, I mean, that was when our parents, our, our did, parents the did the same thing. They just turned on the TV. Time. Right, right, yep. right. It right. was just a different so. venue. Technology. But is it more addicting than television? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, it's... Yeah. And so, it, and so what I forgot to ask earlier in the introductions was your other skills. I mean, this whole yoga body-mind. I mean, you are here, Meredith, to represent um, some of that heart and soul part of kids. Well, I, I think there are so many ways you could talk about this, go with this. I mean, my background is in neuroscience, so, you know... What I start thinking about is how is all of this technology potentially rewiring their brains in terms of communication? You know, how is the brain being rewired as they grow if they're learning to communicate via text and FaceTime instead of interacting, you know, with with social cues and social nuances? Um, and so that's that's one part. And one of the so huge how things- do you manage that for your girls in your family life? So many ways. Wow. Um, that when we are sitting down together, there are absolutely no devices at the table or in the kitchen. If someone's phone rings, leave it. You don't get up. You don't hop up. There is nothing so, anything that's so critical, we are all sitting there at the table. So, you know, no devices at the table. Even Dan. Even Dan. <laughs> Even Dan. Which Even Dan. a very interesting question. You know, so that's when you have, like, the, those little cards at, at, at the table. Yeah. It's like, you get a get-out-of-jail-free card tonight, Dan. No, that's a good question. Idea. You, can, you can buy cards, I think. You, know, I you like can negotiate with, with the family. He has a birthday coming up. I like the get out of jail free. Even, so, you know, even these earbuds, which he'll wear out because, you know, he's, that's he's his work. Yeah. And he's plugged in. Um, 
And there was such an interest. There were two amazing um, articles that came out. One came out in the Miami Herald this morning. Um, did you see that I one? Saw it. And, um, I'm not happy with it. Yeah, I, 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 it's a whole topic. It I'm is. struggling with it. And um, I mean, that was a little extreme. But then there was another one from. Do you go ahead and tell everybody about it? Just the, an overview, the title. Oh, about how kids are getting sucked into technology and they're disrespecting parents. And. Um, gets into a whole nother series where maybe we've given kids too much authority and we've we've let them make decisions that they're not ready to make and so they're growing up with a disrespect for for authority they're growing up with a disrespect from for themselves and um, it's it's a problem um, but then there was another phenomenal study from 2014 about the iPhone effect and um, you know they did this study and it was not a it was not a clinical there's a lot of you know issues with it but it was still really interesting and they looked at people having conversation, if there was a phone on the table, whether it was in use or not, if there was just a phone on the table, how um, the other person in that conversation rated or valued being listened to from the other person. And um, even if a phone was on the table but not in use, the other person that was a part of that conversation or relationship, they didn't feel connected. And um, so anyway. That's my biggest fear is is literally the, the phone zombie look. That you see on the kids you're when you're the trying person to talk who them? told me when I started podcasting though that pretty soon people will be plugged will. in all day every day they will it's into not their but own sounds I, their I, own music I don't like it yeah yeah it's true yeah. you see it everywhere you go everywhere. people are literally in their own little enclaves of their own reality and they just kind of pass by each other mm-hmm. eye contact how hard is it to get eye contact with most kids these days when you're having a conversation with them even if they don't have the phone it's become an increasing challenge, and they don't look at each other. Right, right. They're texting to each other yeah. when they're present. Yeah. So it's a, and you know, I I don't want to put a value judgment on it and say that that communication is worse or better, right. but it is so dramatically different. different than how previous generations have communicated and what values we put on how you communicate with each other. Do the three of you feel that within your families? your influence is greater than the external influence. Do you think... Today, but I can't make you any promises that that'll be the case tomorrow. Yeah, Yeah, same. Okay. Okay. I think that if we continue, we treat them with respect and we treat the situation with, with respect, that hopefully that relationship will, you know, continue to be of respect and, you know, we can have that two-way communication to help guide them to make good decisions. I think one of the the biggest things, um, like when you were saying about, you know, no eye contact, and so even if a kid doesn't have a phone or, or from a device, from a PT perspective, I'm seeing so many teens, you know, younger, older, in addition to just adults, with postural dysfunction issues, you know, scoliosis issues that were made worse because of you know, kids looking down, texting, being in odd positions, playing on their iPad for two hours every night. So that's changed a lot. But um, And that changes learning potential. That changes brain development. That changes emotional resiliency. Right. That all of that changes every th- posture and physic- the physicality of Huge. just being connected to devices changes our world. And from, oh, go ahead. Sorry, at the same time that we have all that, my kids are able to absorb diverse forms of information. Right. At a rate that I, you know, is just frankly alarming. Give me an example. Uh, You know, my eldest will be able to pull in and tell you the latest uh, with what's going on with uh, uh, a movie star and a book and current events. And it's all just streaming in and it's, it's, she's just sucking it all in. So. And long term? 
Long term, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, the question was like, how? How? Oh. Is that is that a deep knowledge for her? It is. And, and is and is she analyzing it and processing it? Um, I mean, certainly all yeah. of you have chosen schools yeah. that are really cultivating thinking and analysis and problem solving. I'm pretty confident that both for both of my girls. It's not yes, just filtering through. No, it's yeah. long-term retention, and they're using it to draw examples okay. just by some of the things that even the younger one says to me. You can see where they pulled it and where it's come from. So they're absorbing it, and they're processing it in a, in a pretty, pretty complete way. So their ability and their flexibility to, on input of information and storing it and bouncing it around, yeah, they have young, elastic brains, but it's all, you know, that's the benefit they they really can, you know, uh, they, they live on a diet of information that's substantially larger than anything that we were exposed to when we were Absolutely, growing. absolutely. And a different kind of thinking. I mean, yeah. the whole linear thinking of outline, follow this, follow this, is, I mean, now... It's like a webbing. It's right. a, it's a whole different kind of kind of connections and analysis. And in terms of analysis and thinking, I think this brings up something really interesting. Is it's an incredible learning opportunity for them to teach them how to look at sources of information and determine, you know, is this is this a reliable source? Will they know? be overwhelmed by the amount of information? I mean, to me, the oh. biggest crisis for millennial parents is being bombarded by misinformation and inappropriate information and feeling like no matter what you choose, it's going to be wrong. Because I think that's a response to the amount. Will they manage that differently? Yes, because they're better at filtering. Yeah, yeah. They're much better at filtering. Well, and they're natives. I mean, they're natives. It it is a lot. You know, we talk about it's too much information for them. We've never lived the lives they've lived with technology. It's not too much information for them. It's too much information for us. And, you know, and sometimes it's good information and sometimes it's not so good information. And you still deal with the same parenting issues. Um, I set up on my girls' computers, uh, kind of telling, you know, admitting to defeat. I set up when they first got laptops, I set up where I could, they had to get approval for websites. Mm -hmm. And I have to be honest, it was such a pain in the tush Mm -hmm. that I just got rid of it. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take having to put in, but I didn't tell them I took it off. I just took it off. And one day, and I explained to them that I could see what websites they were at. And they had friends over, and they called me in the forum, and they said, we have to ask you, we have to tell you something right now. I said, what's up? They said, so we were talking about nude beaches because <laughs> we, didn't know if they, and we didn't know if they were real or not. So we Googled it just to see if they were real. That's the only reason. Sure, it's the only reason. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I know. The only reason they even admitted to that was because they, they were afraid that I could go back yeah. in and take a look at where they had been. Um, so I leave that hanging over their heads. Yeah. But, you know, that's the scary part that's with information. The scary part is, yeah. you know, that they are going to sometimes not make good choices. But <laughs> that's part of growing up. That's we all did the same thing. It was, I, a, it was a, a magazine or a movie or a, you know, right. a late night. But and they're just making pushing the same those edges and knowing you, each of your children individually, some are going to push those edges, some aren't. Yep. And and you just want to prepare them for when they're standing at the precipice <laughs> going, whoa, how'd I get myself here? And are my parents going to be there to help me back? But I, tell you, I have to tell you, just listening to the conversation we're having, and, and you guys can completely disagree with me, but I have a really hard time believing that the disrespect and the lack of eye contact and all of those things that we are seeing in children can be solely based on technology. I think that it has to do with um, how we parent. Right. And I'm not saying that I 
I'm not perfect. You know, my kids are a part of that. But I do think that we are parenting so differently um, that that has to take some responsibility for it as well. Certainly technology allows us to parent differently, but I I do think that that is a big piece of the puzzle. We're also, and particularly given where we live and how we live, we're in a culture that basically enforces entitlement. So uh, they see it all around them. Well, we're going to have to save that for another. All right. So that's a whole other. But But. it's, um, I would say that the pace of our lives is probably a bigger influence on our lack of being present than the technology. Um, Because technology can be shared. I mean, when you're looking at YouTube videos and you're laughing together, there's there's something going on that's that's still very social. There is the one scary thing, and one of the best authors I read is Sherry Turkle, who's writing on technology. But when she writes about Simon the Robot from MIT being the preferred caregiver for Alzheimer's patients because they have more patience and empathy Mm -hmm. than human beings. Wow. And the children are also preferring that as a playmate because there won't be conflicts. That's scary. when we come, and so I'm coming right back to your point. The big, so that's why I, it's not, I'm not in any way anti-technology, but I don't want, that's why I want to call this tech and soul, mm-hmm. because if I can celebrate the messes, and that's my mission, see me, hear me, love me, is let's celebrate the real and celebrate the messes, and Adina, you are my favorite real mom on Facebook, because you call it every time. You do this idea that if we, we have to acknowledge that our world is too stressful for us to not want to take the easy way out mm-hmm. a lot of times because we need sanity savers. And that's why Meredith is here as my peaceful meditator <laughs> yoga person. <laughs> I mean, we've got this. There, there is something here, but it has to do with, with going to messy, going to the problems, going to the kids who are not shying away from those those social interactions where kids are rude to each other and the bullies and the bossy instead of us ostracizing and alienating and being haters about all of the conflict in the world let's start bringing knowing that that's part of us too and Absolutely. so go for it okay no, i was gonna say and we we just spent all this time talking about technology and all we talked about is phones I mean, we didn't yes. talk about the laptops that they have at school, or the iPads, or the Apple Watches oh, that kids the Apple have, you know, that, you know, everything, but, and, or social media. And so let's finish with social so media. Social media for me. Um, or boys. And, uh, <laughs> boys and social media. Bad. Let's Bad. just say, that's done. Thank you for having us, Karen. <laughs> um, so, social media for me, is something that we have dipped our toe in with something called Musical.ly, which is something that the kids are very involved in. We haven't done Instagram accounts or Facebook yet. We're not there. Um, We're just trying with the Musical.ly. But I personally, and what Karen's alluding to is, every year I kind of post something on Facebook, basically trying to keep it real, saying, you know, we all think everything's perfect. It's not perfect just because the pictures are perfect. And I do it because it scares me when when I read studies like those that are coming out of very good colleges right now about the suicide rate of children because they partially are overstressed, but also because they think everybody else's life is perfect and better. Um, And I was saying to Karen before we started that I I really want to do a Facebook experiment, and I want to go back to a picture I posted two years ago, and it was a picture of our family at a game, and we just looked so happy. 
And it was the most horrible night we had had. I it remember, was I remember yeah. when you put up, you, you wrote <laughs> after that. I loved that comment. It was comment. phenomenal. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'm, I feel like after reading this, these latest start studies that are coming from out of the universities, that I want to do an experiment. I want to put a picture. I want to post that picture and tell about it again. And then encourage other people to go back in their Facebook posts and find a picture that they posted that looks great, but actually had a story behind it that just... So we can show people that everything you see isn't always exactly what happened. Right. I, I would go further. Virtually everything on the internet is false. <laughs> Virtually everything yes. on the web is okay. false. This would be damn the pessimist. Yeah. <laughs> Don't believe it yeah. if you see it on the web. Yeah. Facebook is little more than a, an ability for somebody to self-aggrandize and tell the rest of the world how much better they are. Mm -hmm. That's largely what it has become. Okay, there now, are in our information yeah. age, and, yeah. and yeah. we're, I mean... Yeah. Whether it, if everything on the internet, and we're talking politics, and we're talking yeah. science, yep. and we're talking news, we're t and we're talking family life, how will you raise your girls to to know the difference between what's real and what's fake? I basically trying to raise them to think that everything is fake. <laughs> if you can't substantiate it. It's don't don't believe it. It's fake. But I assume there's more value to what's real. Now, I mean, you are one of the yeah, most so. real people I know. <laughs> Honest. Yeah. Um, here I am who I am. I'm not no. sugarcoating it. I'm not saying what you think I should say. Um, how do you help them? So part of... Uh, I'm just, choose a real world. Right. So, yeah, let's talk about the news. Well, you know, because they, they're studying it in school with the election coming up. They're starting to see this. And so... You know, I've talked particularly to my eldest one about the fact that you can't believe that news outlets, because they're not reporting the news. It's not biased. It's not unbiased. It's completely biased. So what you need to do is I can learn. Charlie Rose. <laughs> you can you can learn to uh, you you can learn because of how, you know how they're learning to write. You can learn to to see where your opinion is being steered. Mm -hmm. Yes. A and you should go back to the sources that these guys are using. You know, get your news directly from the AP wire. Get your news directly from the news services. Don't just trust a single source. Now, and, and, and here's this is the, one of the crises of the entitlement age. I mean, I remember when an article came out in Newsweek, and it was about early childhood programs. And it said, you walk into this program, and it was a program that I know and love dearly. It's a, it's a national program. And it said, and you will see children playing, making choices, taking risks, being friends, make, being decision makers at three and four. And the, and, the, and the Newsweek article started with, don't believe everything you see. Uh -huh. because what they really should be doing is paper and pencil tasks, according to new research. And it was like, how do we put information? This was 15 years yep. ago. How do we tell people, stop believing what you can evaluate on your own? That's nuts. And if you can raise your children to know... I can really trust my intuition, my own analysis, and at least for right now, this is the best information decision I can make. That's critical. I mean, and that's the yep. foundation of, of them having a sense of self, of having a sense of connection, of understanding that there are people to help them and guide them. Yeah. And the alternative to pessimism, I believe, because it gives them power and control in a world that feels very scary and out of control. Well, you know, if I took all the technology and threw it away, I'd be out of job. So, uh, you know, I'm glad it's here to stay. Yeah. But uh, it is, you know, it, it's it's scary. And the challenges are constantly changing. And it's incumbent on us as parents to make some effort to keep up with it. We'll never be as fast as the kids. But... 
you can't totally step away and say, okay, yes, sure, you got that phone, you got this, you, you're doing what on Facebook? And it's it's part of parenting in this generation. Is It's just your responsibility. And it comes with think, the kid. And I don't think it's ever too early to have an honest conversation with them. Okay. I have a 10 and 11-year-old, and I've had conversations with them about what can happen with nude pictures. Mm-hmm. And I've had friends who have said to me, You're, why are you worrying about that already? I said, because if I wait till they're old enough to worry about it, it's, it's too late done. to have oh, this discussion. Once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. And there I, is no such yes. thing as an internet delete button. Yes. Right. And I, I agree completely. You have those conversations with them earlier, sooner rather than later, and you you prepare them, guide, you know, mm-hmm. wisely, respectfully, and, you know, you, you tailor that discussion to what's appropriate for their age and what they're what they're ready for. And even when they're acting like they're not listening to they you. Are. They are. They're listening. So they're watching. Right. So let's do our wrap-up. Um, we will come back and do entitlement another night, and we will come back and do social media another night. Sounds good. And uh, we probably have to do the uh, peers and all of that dynamic. I mean, there's so much to do with this topic. But I thank you guys for kicking it off. And the wrap-up question is the same always, and that is, how do you got this? You got this in a million ways because I refuse to be the pessimist. I want to know that you, um, as parents, have the ability to steer your children, guide your children, love your children on this path in a world that has technology. Um, So, Adina, what do you know for this week, for today, that you've got this? I think I've got this because I'm not afraid to admit that I don't always have this. (laughs) And that sometimes I have to go to somebody else and ask for help or questions. Sometimes I'm going to make mistakes. Um, But as long as I stay actively involved in the process, I'm, I'm one step ahead of where I would be otherwise. The secret to everything. Cheers to my messy friend. (laughs) (laughs) Meredith. How do I have this? I think I have this through my own role modeling, through showing them um, my boundaries with technology. You know that the time bef- the time before bed, the hour before bed is is sacred time, and you use that time for reading together, journaling, what have you, and you know not on not on a device. Um, and then showing them boundaries of myself. So when I am with them, I am with them. I don't have my phone in my hand. I don't have if someone calls, I don't pull it out of my purse. I am with them. And hopefully they'll carry that behavior, that same respect through as, as they grow up. Um, there was something else that I, oh, you said, shoot, I forget what it was, um, about how I have this. Um, and when they make decisions, when they make messes, handling it with love and respect and not getting mad at them when they go over their data plans over and over and over. <laughs> and you're getting dings that you owe 30 more dollars and it's three times within that day because they left YouTube on on their phone in the house. Oh, there's so many practical questions. And all I can say is every preschool and toddler parent and baby parent in my audience is going like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, you know, handling it with love and not getting mad at them, but showing them, okay, this is what happens and this is how you need to do it. Um, you know, I, my my motto is, you know, love is always the answer. Um, like hand, handle things with love. So, My motto is, if all fails, there's duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he's got this. Yeah. No, I, I've got this because, uh, you know, I, I 
use technology. I supplement technology with uh, Mare's fine guidance. Uh, and I'm trying to learn those lessons myself about uh, distancing from technology when it's appropriate. But When uh, it's appropriate. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm confident that my kids are savvy in a way that's healthy. And it, it's a constant struggle to get them to use technology appropriately. They're going to make mistakes. And I've already told them they're going to make mistakes. In fact, I told them that if they're not making mistakes, they're not doing it right. Love it. It's love just it. don't keep making the same mistake. Love it, love it. And, uh, and oh, you're it, gonna, you're, that's a challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, you know, we've been very upfront with them that uh, when they make a mistake, not if, own up to it. Right. Come yeah. ask for help. It's a, it's a mistake. Now, if the mistake involves, like, burning the house down, we might be a little upset. But but if it's a mistake of posting something or get involved in some drama. Or Googling nude beaches. Googling nude beaches. <laughs> you know, just for research purposes. <laughs> then, uh, you know, that's part of growing up. And you can fix it and help them with it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Thank you. you are Thank awesome. You. My Thanks. tech gurus. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and The Follow for the song Listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.